chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Hi friends, it is an utter privilege to be with you once again and to use something of the frailty of my words to hopefully bring encouragement to you wherever you are uh, in this moment, either live uh, watching this or on demand in the moment that you're watching it. And to be honest, I, I feel pretty undone this morning just after worship. I don't know about you, just that last song of just coming and bowing again afresh before the wonder of who Jesus is just uh, fills my gaze and just realizes how frail I am in comparison to him and how much I need him to shape more of who I am. And um, in a moment, we're going to get to look at how Jesus is longing to do that um, through this passage that Rebecca has just read out. But before we get there, I just want to just remind us where we're at. You see, we're in this series we've entitled Recalibrate, where we're believing that God is offering you and I an invitation to make small changes to how we're living in order that we'd live more in the good of the life that Jesus offers us, that we'd that would do us good and that would do others good as we live in it. And I don't know how you're finding it. Like we're three weeks in today that we've so far looked at how we look to recalibrate our lives in terms of abiding, how we look to recalibrate our lives in terms of slowing down. And my hope is that we're not kind of thinking, right, week one, got to do that. Okay, now next week, I've got to do that. But rather that we're seeing this as an invitation to shape how we live. Therefore, it's going to take time. 
Uh, and it isn't that each week we need to have finished the last one, but rather we're kind of building this invitation that we continuously keep coming back to saying, yeah, God, I want to be one that keeps abiding more in who you are, Jesus, allowing who you are to shape me. I want to keep being one who's looking to slow how I'm living, like living unhurried and more present. And today I want to look at how we live in Jesus' invitation to live with simplicity, to recalibrate our lives in terms of simplicity in order that we get to live in this life that Jesus longs us, longs for us to live in that truly satisfies. You see, I'm a kid who grew up in the 1980s. Like the 1980s was awesome. Probably wasn't as awesome as Stranger Things kind of pretends for it to be, but it was pretty cool. It was before Amazon. It was before um, the internet. But there was this one thing that I absolutely loved reading above everything else, and that was the Argos catalog. Like when that came into our home, I just absolutely loved it. And I would spend hours, and I'm not exaggerating there. You can ask my mum and dad. They will uh, verify this fact. I would spend hours poring over this catalog. Like I'd memorize where things were in the catalog. I, like in my early years, would like love looking at all the toys. But as I grew older, would be looking at the tech, the, the kind of uh, walk Walkmans as was, you won't understand what they are, Google it, find out. Look at kind of the tape players, again, you won't understand what that is, look up what it is. But then we'd look at the exercise equipment, we'd look at the watches, and then we'd get through to kind of amazing items like motorpeds that you could just buy from the Argos catalogue. And as I kind of looked through and memorised where these things were, I also was building up this mental kind of shopping list of everything I wanted from these glorious coloured filled pages because I knew as I gained each item, it would bring me happiness. That's just something in me, I just knew it, man. As I get, it will do me good. But the thing is, I grew older, I realized that the stuff I got didn't deliver everything I'd hoped for. That yeah, my Walkman was cool, but then I wanted something else. I had the tape one, I wanted the CD one, then I wanted an MP3 player, then I wanted an iPhone, then I wanted a whatever it is next, and I found that this appetite for things to consume just couldn't be satisfied. And the reality is that that appetite is something that's built in us, particularly as we live in the West, where we live with this sense of consumerism, where we're told, actually, if you continue to gain, if you continue to get, you'll become more happy, you'll become more satisfied. But the uncomfortable truth is the more and more stuff we get, the less satisfied we become. It doesn't ever quite deliver. We're always living, wanting something more. I remember talking to my granddad um, before he died and, and asking him, saying, like, he was like 92 when he died, and asking him, like, as he reflected on his life, like, what did he make of it? And he said, well, the thing I realized is that in my early years, people had very little but they seem very happy and content. Whereas now it just seems like people have everything and just seem so unhappy. And it, and it seems to do that, doesn't it? It seems to be that however much we have, it's never quite enough. And then this year, something remarkable happened, lockdown happened, and we're still living in the repercussions of that and wondering, are we gonna enter into that again? And 
within all the negativity, there were some things that happened that I believe God is wanting to highlight in order that would cause us to recalibrate our lives. That one of the things that happened is our ability to consume was paused. Uh, suddenly the shops closed, the restaurants closed, the places we could go and have experiences closed. And yeah, we found different ways. We went online and started to buy, but we didn't purchase as much. We weren't seeking to get as much. And what I discovered happened to both me and to others around me, down my street, etc., was that people started to be more grateful for what they had. People started to share what they had with others. I know down my street, it was just amazing, like seeing how people would have a need and others would respond and say, I've got that thing. Do you want to borrow it? Or do you want to have it? that people began to enjoy nature. Like, where I live is like near a, a kind of walkway by the River Ray, and normally I take my dogs along there, and you occasionally see someone, and you see someone uh, on a bike, but it, like, in lockdown, it became like this motorway of like congestion of people running and walking and walking their dogs and families on bikes in every direction. It was like, everyone was like, man, I want to get out. I want to enjoy what there is around. And the thing is, as lockdown eased, suddenly we started to go back as a society into our patterns of how we've always been. But I wonder whether God is wanting to say, hey, maybe there's a different way. Maybe there's a way that Jesus longs for us to live in that actually causes us not to keep seeking after more stuff, thinking that will truly satisfy, but rather finding in him and the way of life that he offers actually offers us the satisfaction that we're needing. You see, in Matthew chapter 6 that Becca read out to us, actually Jesus kind of reveals this wonder of a life of simplicity and how that life is characterized and how it satisfies. And as he reveals the wonder of this life, it's kind of like holding up like an alternative to what we're living in, in Birmingham in the 21st century. You say, hey, you don't have to live this way. What you tasted in lockdown isn't just to have to be that one moment. You can get this to satisfy and to live in the good of in your whole of your life. And what Jesus says is like, this life is characterized by a life of meaning, of thankfulness, of, of being those who are free. So then firstly then, a life of meaning. See, Jesus understands that consuming things won't ever fully satisfy. See, where we can be told, like, you, like, you are what you've got, like the consumption of like getting stuff and having objects and possessions and experiences and knowledge that the car I've got, the house I've got, like that starts to define who I am. Like Jesus says, no, that's not the case. Like Jesus like limits it and just says like, just if you're those who are living for meaning, chasing off the consuming food and clothing, it's never going to satisfy. It's never going to get you the meaning that you're longing for that we can add on to it. Like if you're chasing after that latest kitchen appliance, the, the, the mobile phone that's there that's going to enable you to do 5G, the, the latest kind of clothing, the latest experience, the latest kind of way of like firming up your knowledge. Like if you're thinking that the acquisition of those things is going to cause you to find satisfaction and meaning, 
it's not going to work. Jesus says, actually, what it's rather going to do is lead you to a place of being unsatisfied, of being one who is anxious. He says, like, if you pursue consuming created things, it will cause you to be anxious. It will cause you to be unsatisfied. Rather, Jesus says, no, no, be consumed by the creator. Like, that's where you're going to find life of meaning. That's where I'm going to find a life of meaning is by being consumed by the creator, not consuming created things. So Jesus says, like, be those who are consumed by this creator God and his kingdom, his rule and reign. It's all about his love and goodness, where Jesus is the king of that kingdom. Allow who Jesus is as king to shape who we are. Because as we allow ourselves to find a life of meaning in who he is as king, we suddenly realize that we're more loved and accepted than we could dare to believe. That we then get to allow his rule and reign of love and goodness to shape everything of who we are. That we get this life of meaning. That as we fill our gaze with who Jesus is and what Jesus is about in his rule and reign, it causes us to be those that know that we're loved and get to be those who love. So firstly, this life of simplicity is about a life of meaning. Secondly, it's a life of thankfulness. See, it isn't that Jesus is like down on stuff. It isn't like Jesus is like, no, no, you mustn't have anything. Like he even says like, no, no, your father knows what you need and wants to provide for you. He isn't down on us, like, gaining more knowledge or having new experiences. He's just saying, no, get your priorities right. Because as you fill your gaze, allowing the king and the kingdom to be the thing that consumes you, actually, then you begin to realize that actually it's God who gives things to you. I love how Peterson in um, the message paraphrase kind of sums this all up, uh, summarizing verses 30 to 31, where he says this, like, the goal here is that you would not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Let me read that again. Like, let's not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Like, how good is that? Like, that as we begin to realize, get our focus on Jesus and realize that actually then God does want to give us stuff and has given us stuff, it causes us to then have this heart of thankfulness. So then we realize, like, everything we have is a gift from God. Therefore, we're thankful to him. Like, thankful for everything we have. Thankful for when we get stuff of saying, oh, this is another gift from God. Thankful for the nature, the creation around us, and the gift that is to us. Like, dare I say it, it also means that we can be thankful when other people have stuff. Like, rather than being jealous of them and think, oh man, how come they've got that and I haven't? No, no, I'm thankful that they've been allowed and entrusted with it by God, that God's given it to them. I can be thankful to that. Like, how does that not spin everything on its head? Like a life of simplicity isn't a life of like kind of walking around drably thinking, oh no, everything's horrible, everything. Don't look at anything. It's all horrible, meaningless. No, no, we get to be those who are just deeply grateful and thankful for everything. 
I'm saying, God, I thank you for what you've given me. Like, daily come and say, God, I thank you that I've got somewhere to sleep, that I've got clothes to wear, that I've got something to eat. Man, God, I thank you that I've got a mobile phone that allows me to stay connected. I thank you that I've got broadband that allows me in this moment to stay connected, those scattered as a church together. Man, we get to be thankful as we live with simplicity. And then thirdly, Jesus says we get to live a life of freedom. A life of freedom. Like, like how do we hold the things we have? Like, do we hold them tightly? Or do we hold them with open hands? Like, Jesus starts off this, like, address, this sermon, talking about stuff, talking about consuming, and says, like, are you storing up treasure? Are you just holding on to everything, saying, it's all mine, all mine? Or are you someone who's like, no, this doesn't bring me meaning. Now Jesus does. That everything I have is this gift from God that I'm able to be thankful for. And therefore, I can be one who's freed. Free to be open-handed with everything that I have. Like, it frees us up to not be defined by the stuff we have, by what we know, by what we've experienced. No, we defined by God. It frees us up to be those who get to enjoy what we have, knowing it was a gift from God to be enjoyed. It frees us up to share what we have. Like we're not holding on to it tightly, but rather thinking, man, who else could enjoy this gift that I have. Like maybe it's something I've learned. I, I don't get to share it with someone else. So maybe it's something I own I get to share with. Maybe it's an experience I get to someone else say, hey, come and join me as I go to do this. I get to share it. But not only that, I'm freed up to give it away. Like as God is generous to us, we then get to be generous to one another. Like not holding on to stuff and saying, well, it's mine. I'll bury it in the cupboard somewhere. No, no, we get to say, no, who could benefit from this? And I've got this thing, and I know this object, that this person would really love this. I think they'd, they'd really delight in it. I, I could give it to them. I'm not lending, I could give it to them. Or maybe it's like a book we've read, and rather than them kind of, kind of lingering on our shelves where we say, hey, look at how much I've read, we're saying, like, how could I share this with someone else? I'm going to give it to them. Maybe it's to a charity shop. Maybe it's to a friend. But it frees us up from keeping everything close and being able to give it to others. So Jesus offers this life of simplicity, a life that's characterized by meaning, thankfulness, and freedom. But as of last week, I, th I think it's just good to say, well, how do we practice it then? And I just want to quickly give us seven things, seven ways that we can start to practice this life of simplicity. Not in order that we can do it as a to-do list, but rather as just gentle encouragements. And I've asked uh, Laura Birchinoff to help me with this. And so we've come up with these seven ways, I think, practices that can help us. Firstly, consider who or what is filling my and your gaze at the moment. Like, daily consider is stuff, another thing, another person, an experience consuming my gaze, or is it Jesus? Secondly, take time to consider before I purchase. It's what I do. Like, do I need this? 
Will this cost others in me purchasing it? Has it been made in a right way? Would I be willing to share it? And lastly, can I actually afford it? Thirdly, spend time daily being thankful. I try to find something every day to be thankful for because there is much to be thankful for. Fourthly, take care of what goes in. Like we are surrounded by adverts, yet we can control whether we watch them or not. Like when the advert break comes on, text a friend, make a cup of tea. We are in control of what we see and therefore want. Fifthly, think about my stuff generously. Think about your stuff generously. Who can I share or give my stuff to? What stuff could I offer to charity? Sixthly, keep my mind decluttered. I often have lots of things going on, like write things down. I often do it on my phone. Sometimes record things on my phone just so they're out of my mind and just somewhere where I can go back and look at it. Maybe it's in a diary, a notebook. And then lastly, and this is perhaps the most important one in terms of all we're looking at in recalibrating, be kind to myself. Here's the deal. I and you are works of, in progress. And sometimes we get it wrong. And God is patient with us, is kind to us. And we need to be patient and kind to ourselves. So there's an invitation, once again, an invitation to recalibrate our lives in order to be those who live with simplicity, a life that Jesus longs to offer us, a life that will give, do us good as we, and also will do others good, a life that offers meaning, thankfulness, and freedom. In a moment, we're just going to hand over to uh, Rod and the band. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to pray for us, just where you are. Where you are, why don't you just close your eyes, put your hands out. And just with your hands out, just imagine it just is everything of your life. And just say, Jesus, all that I am, I give to you. And in return, Jesus, I receive all of who you are. And Jesus, I say today, I want to be one who is consumed by you. Not seeking to find meaning in consuming, but rather is consumed by you. And that as I'm consumed by you, I pray would I be one that lives with that deep meaning, thankful and free. Ask this for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Amen.